On this episode of Trading Camp, we cover several themes, tips, and tricks that have brought us success in our trading. We touch on the importance of playing your own game, debate whether or not opinions matter in the market, the importance of and process behind creating a unique trading model, and how to take advantage of a trending market environment without greatly increasing your risk. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Scooter, the next generation of trading tools that will replace everything you know about trading. Built by engineers for the retail trader, Rocket Scooter's revolutionary algorithm is the first of its kind. It uncovers institutional positions and reveals market maker risk and hedging in real time using their AI scanner and algorithmic charting. Rocket Scooter has invented 15 unique indicators that predict high volume before it happens, allowing you to visualize price levels where big money is most interested. There's nothing like it. To see how Rocket Scooter is changing the game for retail traders, check out their three-month pro trial. Right now, they are offering three months of Rocket Scooter Pro for only $35 a month, knocked down from the original price of $179 a month. Take advantage of this monster deal by heading over to the link in the show notes and get started using Rocket Scooter today. Trading Camp has partnered with Elite Trader Funding, a proprietary trading firm focused on giving traders the opportunity to profit from the markets without risking their own capital. ETF offers a range of evaluations which test your abilities as a trader. When you pass, you'll be able to choose from funded accounts ranging from $10,000 to $300,000. The only risk is a monthly flat fee. The ETF community provides an excellent learning environment and networking opportunities for those serious about taking their game to the next level. We are excited to offer our listeners 30% off of any trading evaluation on ETF's site except for Fast Track. This episode is brought to you by Kane Capital, a trading community over 25,000 strong featuring live trading alerts and educational content. Link in the notes to join for free today. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel and dealing, limousine right, jet flying, and I'm having a hard time holding it down day and stuff. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to TCP Trading Camp podcast this is now episode 82 it's just Noah and I on this episode excited to share some stuff with you guys we're gonna have an awesome conversation this afternoon Noah what's going on bro how you doing Alejandro what's good um excited to have I feel like this is a this is like a weird thing because we usually um whenever we do like solo pods it's usually like an event or something like you like ran fucking 100 miles or something like that and um you yeah, know, there's normally a, a reason a bit behind more casual. It. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, so I think this one will be good. It's kind of unique. So it should, it should be a good episode. I'm excited. Let's get into it. Yeah, so we basically decided that we just wanted to do just Noah and I, which I think is important. Um, you know, we get to share a lot of our thoughts and ideas when we do have other guests on and we're interviewing people. But we both have some things that we'd like to share with you guys. You know, at the end of the day, we're we're both traders as well. And so... Hopefully, you guys are able to pull some value from this episode. So how we're going to do it is we're going to go through a few different topics. We're going to cover a few different points. Um, we're going to do trading psychology. We're going to do actual trading or you know the, the sort of action of trading stuff that we're doing that has helped us 
to improve. And again, hopefully you guys can find some value in this episode. But we are going to start by talking about some trading psychology stuff. And this first point or this first topic that we're going to discuss, we'll call it playing your own game. And this is something that I think is very, very important, actually crucial, not just in trading, but in money management, investing, and everyday life in general. So the sort of cliche and something that you hear a lot is when you come into trading, you can't expect to make the same amount of money as somebody who's been trading for 10 years, we'll say, 20 years, a veteran, right? And I've always thought about it in that sense. And I've always thought of it as, as I'm, you know, relatively new in my trading career to somebody who's been around the market for multiple decades, I can't possibly expect to be making the same amount of money as them. While that's true, I think that another really unique way to look at it and something that makes more sense is that I have no idea the game that they're playing. So there's a lot of underlying things going on here. What's their age? What's their uh, social class? How are they raised? How do they think or feel uh, about money? Okay, what are their monthly expenses like? We're so quick to just immediately judge somebody. Say we see somebody who makes $5,000 in a day, okay? And I only made $50. Immediately I'm telling myself, oh, I should have made just as much as that person, or I should have made more. And we immediately use that as a measure of skill in trading. But we have no idea what that person's, uh, for example, net worth is. We have no idea what that person's monthly expenses are. That person could have made $5,000, but they have $50,000 in monthly expenses. We have no idea what that dollar amount means to that individual nor should we care, okay? And so the point here is that it's very important to play your own game. At the end of the day, the goal of trading is to generate income. So when I come to the market, I have to come with my plan. I have to come with uh, you know, a mentality of I'm trying to improve my life. I'm trying to generate income that's going to help me reach my financial goals, my investment goals, my goals at the age of 24 are going to be wildly different than somebody's who is even 35 years old, 45 years old. If you're 50 years old and you're trading the markets, we can't possibly be on the same page, yet we never think about things this way. We just think about it as a dollar for a dollar. And we're so quick to measure, again, skill. Um, we're so quick to, to play skill right next to the amount of money that you make when, in fact, that's by no means true. And being in the Discord and having, you know, all types of different members in the Discord of all um, from all different backgrounds, different age groups, I can see this firsthand, right? I can see somebody come into our Discord who has, you know, less than six months trading experience and they'll send a screenshot and they've made $15,000 in a day. Now, immediately, what is that going to do in my brain? I'm going to say, how is this person, right, who is three months into trading, making $15,000 in a day? That's what my brain is immediately doing. But what I don't think about is, how much is this individual worth? What does $15,000 mean to them? What are their monthly expenses like? Are they, you know, extremely risk averse? Are they, um, 
Do they have a massive risk appetite? What does their investing background look like? So many different factors that play into this that we never take into account. And so that's why I feel it's so important to figure out what your goals are. What is the goal that, or what is the game rather, that you want to play? Figure out what you want to do. If you have $1,000 in expenses every month and you're making double that trading, that's insane. That's, that's amazing. And you can compound that money over time. So rather than comparing the amount of money that you're making to the amount of money that other individuals are making or other traders are making, super important to look at your finances and understand, is this making me achieve or is this putting me one step closer to my financial goals? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah, I, I, this brings me back to something that I had talked about really early on, like probably first 30-ish episodes, and I actually got it from um, Ripster, who we all obviously know from um, Atlas, and um, the, the the thing that he said was, um, say what you want about the guy, I mean, he's, he's a pretty good trader. Um, the thing that I got from him was you have to be your own person, like Alejandro said, you have to play your own game for the sole reason that we're all very different, right? So if I have a trading strategy or a trading style that I've tailored to my personality, my habits, um, you know, everything about your trading strategy is very personalized, right? It takes all your past experiences into account, all those big wins that you've had, all those massive heartbreaking losses that you've had. It takes all of that and your trading strategy ultimately becomes an amalgamation of every experience that you've ever had trading bundled into what do I want to do? What's the outcome that I want here? And what do I not want to do? What do I not want to experience anymore? Right? That type of thing. And so if you try and essentially copy somebody else's strategy, the reason that it's never going to work is because you are quite literally two different people in the sense that you you have two different personalities, right? When you see the trade start to work against you, you're going to respond to it in two different ways. When you see the trade working in your favor, you're going to respond to it in two different ways. You're, you're going to think about the market completely differently. And so to try and to try and copy exactly blueprint for blueprint what somebody else does won't ever work in trading for that reason, right? Like we've all had different experiences. And so it's, it's, it's impossible for me to, it's possible for me to go on Alejandro's Twitter and see how he trades and say, okay, Alejandro likes these false breakdowns and sort of, you know, try and incorporate that into my strategy. I can do that. But what I cannot do is take every experience that Alejandro's ever had in the market, that amazing experience that we talked about last summer where Hondo lost like a few grand trading on the beach, right? Like that subtly gets put into his strategy. All of those experiences sort of stack up to build to what eventually your trading strategy becomes, right? And so it'll be impossible for me to ever do exactly what Alejandro does because I don't have Alejandro's exact experiences in the market. But what I can do and see what Alejandro does correctly and successfully, and then sort of incorporate that into my own experiences. Okay, well, you know, I don't necessarily like um, buying breakouts. I, I don't trust breakouts. When I started trading, you know, the the market was in a was in a prolonged consolidation, and breakouts were getting stuffed, and breakdowns were getting stuffed. And so I'm 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 afraid of touching the stove now. Now, right after I've gotten burned, I don't I don't want to buy breakouts anymore. So you know what? Maybe what I'll do is I'll look for breakouts that fail, and I'll play those because I know how that feels to get into a breakout trade and have it go against me. I've seen it a bunch of times, right? Like if you're an unsuccessful breakout trader, you're actually you've seen a lot of false breakdowns. And so what you can do is you can then say, okay, here's something that this person uses successfully. How can I then tweak that according to 
my risk tolerance, my experiences in the market, and ultimately make it work for me, make it my own, right? And then play my own game, as Alejandro said, with that new um, added detail. And so I couldn't agree more. I think that playing your own game is, is a massive part of ultimately um, becoming consistent, becoming consistently profitable, right? I think that you can get profitability um, almost by accident sometimes, right? I mean, look at the last, what, three months that we've had. If you woke up every morning and said, I'm going to buy QQQ calls, you're probably green right now. I mean, does that work over the long term? Like, I don't think it does. Personally, I haven't back tested it, but I don't think it does. Um, but, you know, I, I, that's sort of how you have to look at it. You know, you have to look at it as um, you're you're going to approach the market in your own unique way. And that's how you build consistency over the long term, in my opinion. Yeah, I love how you mentioned uh, people's personalities as well and like the experiences that they have that really builds you and makes you as a trader. And it, you said it perfectly. You can't replicate that. Like everybody is different. And that's the beauty of it, right? Like that's why everybody kind of has this unique journey that can lead you to becoming the trader that you're supposed to be. But when you try to fake it and you try to be somebody uh, else, you know, a different trader who you've seen. And of course, you know, it's super important to study other traders, st study other successful traders and mimic some of their strategies because, yes, they're doing stuff that is proven to work. But again, when it comes down to how much money you're making and, you know, how you feel about money, it's super, super dependent on those past experiences. And so somebody who uh, you know, makes $50,000 in a day because they held an SPX call that ran a thousand percent. That type of person has a drastically different view of what money means to them than I do. I know that for a fact because I wouldn't be able to hold something for a thousand percent and, you know, watch it climb all the way to $50,000 profit. I, that means you put 5K in there too on, a, on an SPX zero. Correct, which is also crazy. Um, but yeah, you see how the, just us having this conversation, that's showing, you know, our past experiences, like we've lost on those trades or, you know, based on how we're raised, like you can't, let's say, you know, you were raised in uh, a, a lower class family and then you come onto Twitter and at the time that you were growing up, you didn't have two nickels to rub together, right? Your family was extremely poor. And then you come onto Twitter and you see Mr. Hotshot, who's like trading lights out, making a ton of money. Um, who just seems like he he doesn't give a shit about the money he's making or losing. And you're like, oh, like this is what trading is. Like I have to, you know, take on all this risk and I have to, you know, let my guard down in order to be as profitable as this guy. That guy, you have no idea. He, he, he could have came from an upper class family where, you know, money to him has never been an object and, you know, it, it's never been a concern you know, just stop trying so hard to trade like the next guy. Do your own thing. Focus on what what works for you. If that means, you know, being tighter with risk, that's fine, right? That's fine. It's all about what makes you comfortable. And at the end of the day, what's going to grow your account? The last thing I'll say on this topic too is I think a great representation of this is if you look at the ICT community, everybody watched the same videos. Everybody has the same information, right? Like it's not like a, it's not like there's some secret sauce. Like you can do, you can put in more work. I guess you can watch more videos than the next guy X, Y, Z, but ultimately you're being taught the same topics, right? And you have probably a hundred thousand people who trade this sort of style and all of them trade so differently. Like I know, I mean, we've had so many on the podcast and I'm, I'm 
friends with a bunch of ICT traders and, you know, I'm in a bunch of different discords and, you know, nobody trades exactly the way that I trade. And I, I see people using ICT successfully who use it on a one minute chart, who use it on a, a four hour chart for swing trades, right? It's everybody given the same information up front trades differently because like we just talked about, everybody's got their different experiences in the market. You know, even given the same sort of blueprint, you're not going to come out with the same answer, right? And so I think that's a really good example of, you know, just sort of showing that even, even giving people the exact same information, they're going to make vastly different decisions with it based off of, like we talked about, your past experiences and, and whatnot. And so um, I think that's a really great example of exactly what we're talking about. Definitely. All right. Awesome stuff there. The next thing that I want to talk about, and I wrote down, your opinion does not matter and you do not need one to be successful in the market. This is one of my favorite things. Uh, just thinking about trading in general, especially in our space, on Twitter, social media, in Discord communities, so many people have so many different opinions about where the market is headed, what's the right and wrong way to trade, kind of ties into the last thing that we were talking about. But at the end of the day, it's very important to understand that your opinion of what the market is going to do is, first off, completely irrelevant. But most importantly, it's completely unnecessary because good day trading is objective and it's systematic and you should not care about what price does, right? You do not need an opinion of where price is headed in order to be successful. And when I started thinking about this in the sense that the market is made up of millions upon millions of different participants, all who are extremely unique, who have different views on what the market may or may not do, who have different um, time horizons, you have day traders uh, you have 15-year-old Robinhood day traders and 60-year-olds who are uh, on near retirement all in the same market, okay? You have so many different people who are using the stock market as a vehicle in so many different ways. And that's the beauty of it, and that's why it functions. Otherwise, you know, it, it simply wouldn't function if everybody thought the same thing. But what's most important here... And what I tell myself coming into every day is that regardless of if I think price is going to do this or I think price is going to do that, it doesn't matter. And I started having more success when I became reactive to price. And that as a day trader, I think is super, super important. Um, and another thing uh, that I'll that I'll mention here that I think is is really awesome and relevant to the year 2023 and 2022. So this is just one example of you know how your your opinion doesn't matter and it's important to just like flush all that stuff out. If somebody who's uh, extremely smart comes to you, somebody who's done a ton of research comes to you and they tell you, okay, this stock. Um, I love it. It's going to, you know, 10x over the next six months. You're going to automatically assume that they're full of nonsense. Now, if somebody who's completely full of nonsense comes to you and tells you that the market is going to crash, you're going to stop everything you're doing 
and you're going to pay the utmost attention to them. And we saw this all last year and at the start of this year. The reason is because people are extremely concerned uh, about the possibility of the market going down. They're just so worried about other people's opinions and all these opinions were being floated around all of last year, okay? At the end of the day, was any of that relevant, okay? Right now, on July 19th, for people who are now calling for all-time highs, is any of that relevant? Absolutely not. The The market is going to do what the market is going to do, and that's why it's super important to think objectively. This will be a good one because I, I agree with you and I disagree with you on a certain level. I agree with you in the sense that... Um, you know, you, you definitely don't have to have an opinion as a short-term trader too, right? Like you like you said, you've you've been doing a lot better since you started reacting to price. And I think um, the reason that that keeps you out of trouble is because instead of saying, well, I'm going to take this trade because I think that this can happen or I think that that can happen, what you're doing and what I'm doing, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into this um, in the next segment, is you're, you're looking at a setup objectively and you're saying, okay, when this happens – the probability when X happens, right? X just happened. The probability now of Y happening, right? As a reaction to X has increased, right? The probability is whatever, call it 60, 70, 80%, right? And so if I take this trade risking this amount, targeting this amount on the upside, if I do that a thousand times, I'm going to win some and I'm going to lose some, but over time I should, I should make more than I lose. I should make more than on my winners than I lose on my losers. And so ultimately over time, I'll be fine, right? And so you're taking a more systematic approach to the market and not necessarily saying, using your discretion to say, well, this seems like a good spot to get in. We have support here that I think will hold. We have resistance here that I think should reject um, those types of things, right? And I'm, I'm talking pretty like, even those things, like I don't want to necessarily say that, you know, that's not how you should trade because I mean, everybody trades differently. Even those things I would call, except if it works for you, great, right? That's not even as outlandish as, you know, Alejandro was talking about with the, you know, the, the market's going to absolutely crash or the market's going to absolutely print or this company's going to miss on earnings or this company's going to hit on earnings, whatever it is, right? That's not even, that's not even that crazy. Um, so what I would say to you is that while I do agree, you don't need to have an opinion in the short term, um, to make money in the market, I do think that it can be helpful, particularly for the way that I trade to determine where you believe the market wants to go and then constantly look for confirmation of that idea. And the reason that I say that that's a, that's a, uh, in my opinion, an appropriate way to approach the market is because having that framework gives you conviction going forward, right? So let's say that, um, a good example, a good example actually is, um, Matt from Rocket Scooter, who we who we had um, on a sponsor of the podcast, and we've had him on a bunch of times. Um, but Matt from Rocket Scooter talked about you know how last October Rocket Scooter was showing him bullish positioning through um, the summer, and so he called bottom and he wanted to be bullish, right? And so that's his opinion is that we're going to go higher, right? And constantly every day, and I'm, Matt's not here, but I'm sure that if Matt was here, he would tell you constantly every day you look for things to confirm that bias, right? If I think that the market is going to continue to go up. Is the market making, plain, first of all, just plain, simple trend analysis. Is the market making lower lows and lower highs, or is the market making higher highs and higher lows? As long as that's in check, I know that I'm with the trend and my opinion that the market is going to go up. I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more conviction on that idea, right? The trend 
has changed from lower highs, lower lows to now higher lows, higher highs. We're in an uptrend, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing I would also say is that when you're when you have um, when you have an opinion on the market, and, and when I say opinion, I don't mean that you you know roll out of bed and say spy looks like it's going to four fifty. I mean like a well thought out and um, like a, a reasonable, actionable sort of plan. Why should this do this? Right, like a, a solid thesis. I think having um, an opinion on the market, what it does is it sets you up for opportunities, right? And so I think that even you would kind of agree that your opinion, though you would say it doesn't matter, I would bet that your opinion is that the market is probably going to continue to go up throughout the rest of the summer as per Rocket Scooter. Is that correct or incorrect? I'm talking to you. I'll talk about it in a second. Finish. Finish okay. the point. And then All I'll, right, sure. Because sure. now you got my, yeah, now you got the wheels turning. All right. So if you believe that, if you believe that the market is going to, if the market is bullish through this certain time, right, what should I do as a trader who wants to capitalize on that? Am I going to try and smack every short setup that I see every time that we come to resistance? Am I going to try and get short? Or every time it looks like the market's going to curl over and retrace a little bit, am I going to try and get short? Or am I just going to be patient and wait for my long setups that I think will have more follow through because of, again, my bias that the market is going to continue to trade higher, right? And so I think that at a certain level, having a bias of where you believe the market is going to go and then constantly looking for conviction along the way can help you, um, or, or not constantly looking for conviction, but constantly looking for uh, confirmation along the way can help with your conviction in the long term. Because again, what that does is it sets you up to be um it sets you up for the opportunities and sets you up for the best opportunities, right? Not just taking any random, you know, B plus setup. Oh, this looks decent. I'll take it. Or that looks decent. I'll take it. No, it sets you up for the best possible opportunities. Um, and, and in your case, that confirmation along the way, if you tried to trade three, four false breakdowns and it stopped working, you would say, maybe my bias that we're going to trade higher is no longer correct. Right. And then you would reassess. And so I think that that's why it's important. Um, sometimes to have to have a, an opinion, a bias, if you want to call it that, uh, in the market. Hey, Noah, what do moving averages, RSI and MACD all have in common? They're all lagging indicators from the 70s with weak ability to predict future price action. Exactly. Modern retail traders need modern trading tools. That's why we've partnered with Rocket Scooter, an artificial intelligence and algorithmic charting tool that predicts where high volume will occur before it happens. That's right. Rocket Scooter's 15 unique indicators help visualize in real time where institutional players are interested on almost any stock and gives you a clear-cut game plan for how to take advantage of the underlying mechanics of the market. A platform like that probably costs a ton of money. Right now, they're offering three months of Rocket Scooter Pro for only $35 a month, knocked down from the original price of $179 a month. Take advantage of this monster deal by heading over to the link in the show notes and getting started using Rocket Scooter today. Okay, so I 110% agree with you, um, everything you just said. And I guess the, the question or the topic becomes a little bit more complicated than just having an opinion and not having an opinion. Yes, we're all going to always have underlying opinions. Um, the sort of point I was trying to make is that your opinion itself, like if we, if we just think about the literal opinion, right, that has absolutely no influence on what the market is going to do. So yes, Correct. as traders, 
um, using technical analysis, and I do this every single day. It's part of my job description. I'm going in every single day. I'm trying to predict where the market is headed based on what I see technically. And then as things start to set up, I react and I take trades. But I think having uh, the understanding that me developing an ego and me trying to call things before they happen or me trying to predict that this is going to be the next big thing that happens next is only going to harm me. That's very different, I think, from being reactive. Even if you think about in February. In February, we got one of the most bullish signals of all time that has ended every single bear market in the past. And that was the golden cross. It's the cross of the 50-day moving average back above the 200-day moving average. Now, I could see that. And objectively, understanding that that golden cross has ended all previous bear markets, I can now say, okay, I'm bullish and I believe that we're entering into a new bull market. That to me is a reactive move. That is trading. That's level-headed investing versus blindly saying, okay, I know that this is going to happen or I know that six months from now, SPY is going to be trading at 500. And then as you said it perfectly, along the way, then you look for um, things that are going to add to your conviction. And what have we been doing since March? We've been creating higher lows all the way into the summer. It also has been tracking perfectly with seasonality. We said at the beginning of July, July is one of the most bullish months of the year. 75% of the time over the past 20 years, it's been green. That is going to add to my thesis. And what do you know? July has been a green month. So, yes, important to formulate a thesis. Important to use your knowledge in order to position yourself to be successful in the market. But at the end of the day, being able to get rid of that ego and understanding that, hey, there is an opportunity or there's a chance that I am wrong. That's the biggest mistake that people make is not respecting the market, not respecting the market risk and believing that just because they have an opinion of something, it has to be right. And then the last thing is when you formulate an opinion you cannot be tunnel vision in the fact that everybody who was shorting at the end of last year, right, was having a lot of success or middle of last year, having a lot of success. The market was selling off. And so they got very tunnel vision about whatever thesis they had you know, planned in their heads. OK, and whether that was due to the macroeconomic environment, whether it was based on technical analysis they continued to stack onto this thesis that the market has to go down, it has to go down, it has to go down. That is not respecting the market and its risk. That is carrying now ego into trading, which is super important. Got to leave that at the door to be successful. Yeah, I think I think that you bring up some great points. And I think um, something else that I would point out is that when you talk about ego too, it, it's, it puts you in such a bad spot because of the opportunity cost, I think. And and we talked about this before where it's like, if you were somebody who was just wrong, right? I think the market is going to go down. And, you know, let's say January 1st, I say the market is going to go to 300. As SPY, what was SPY trading at? Like 380 or something like that? Like around the time it was like um, yeah. a little bit off the lows, like call it 380, 390. Um, you say, I think, I think that the market is going to go down to 300. And by March, you see that the market has traded higher. 
um, and you were wrong. If you don't have an ego, you can decide in March, I was wrong. The market looks bullish. I'm actually going to flip my bias. And by now, you probably would have made back most of what you lost, right? And I think the problem with your ego is that it's the opportunity. It's not just the loss that you're taking by being wrong. It's also you're missing out on the chance to be right. Um, because not because of anything technical, just because you're being stubborn. And I think that, um, that's the death of, of really any trader that you you can't, you can't survive that. And so, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more there for sure. And then the last thing I'll, I'll say on this one is that, um, when it comes to, when it comes to bias, I think you have to, you have to do your own work and have your own conviction. I think that you'll never be able to get conviction from somebody else. Like Alejandro said, um, sort of at the beginning of his, uh, little spiel there. Like, I, I don't think that, I don't think that without doing the work, you can really have the appropriate amount of conviction that you need to be successful long-term. I think that it may work once or twice if, you know, somebody that you respect highly says, I think the market's going to go down and you load the boat on puts and it works like great. Um, but how long can that work right over time? And I think that ultimately like that's just a it's a it's a losing chess game because you're borrowing somebody else's conviction without even really knowing the reasons behind it and so you don't know what makes their thesis invalid right that's the thing that 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 um i really didn't want to talk about anybody um on the, on the pod today outside of trading but that's the thing that like bothers me about the 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 um the perma bear camp on twitter it's like what makes you wrong is like Okay, you get you think that the market's going to go down because X Y Z because uh, X Y Z, the market has you know this fifty third comparison to this you know rally back in like nineteen seventy nine and it's tracking perfectly and it's like okay what makes you wrong at what point is this thesis incorrect or are we just going to talk about this until spy trades till six hundred like at what point are you just incorrect like they they put out a thesis and they don't say this if this happens I'm wrong they don't say that it's just market's going to go down guys I promise. Going back to the point that I made earlier, when somebody who's full of nonsense comes to you and tells you that the market is going to go down, everybody starts to pay attention to them. And that's what we were seeing. The reason is because people have that emotional connection with their money. If somebody is telling you that the market's going to go to 600 by the end of the year, and it's somebody who has come to you with an extremely strong thesis. We were seeing this uh, near the bottom. You talked about Matt. He had an extremely strong thesis for the reason that he felt that the bottom had been put in and that the market was going to trade higher. But everybody was saying, this guy's full of shit. This guy has no talk. Look at the macro. Look at this. This is a bear market. Nobody is going to pay attention to that because it seems so unrealistic. But as soon as somebody tells you that the market is going to go down, you give them your full attention because the emotional connection with our money is, oh, I don't want to lose my money. Wait, what is this guy talking about? Like, I don't, and also that, that sort of like speaking from the perma bear perspective, like somebody who calls the top, right? Calling the top or calling the crash is a lot sexier than calling, you know, a 500 point rally in SPX. Funny enough, like all you had to do all year long was just ride the trend. But there's nothing cool about that. But if you're the person who calls the 100-point sell-off, you look like a genius, right? Saw that all last year and into this year. And then when it doesn't work, people forget. And then you just do it again. It's, it's exactly. actually insane. It's insane how it works. Um, all right, let's go into the next one. 
So we're going to dive a little bit more into um, actual trading. And one of the things that I wanted to cover in this space is really talking about how to build a uh, model that repeats over and over and over again in the market. And um, in my personal opinion, this is really the best way to trade is to have a framework around when X, Y, and Z happens, I'm going to do this every single time. I'm going to put my stop loss here every single time. I'm going to take profit here every single time. And just doing that over and over and over again and not doing anything else outside of that. I think that taking that approach to the market for one, it removes a lot of emotions, right? And so like we were talking about before, I think that this resistance may work. I think that this support may work or whatever. It sort of removes that um, that emotional, that guessing part of it out of, out of the equation completely. Um, and then secondly, it gives you something to look for, right? You constantly hear in trading, be patient, be patient, a P-A-Y, patient spelled with a little P-A-Y. Like I, I, it's like a big thing that, that I feel like um, you're sort of bombarded with from the time that you get into trading. And I think, yes, you obviously should be patient and patience is a virtue in trading. But at the same time, it's impossible to be patient if you don't know what you're waiting for. And so I think having something that you're waiting for and actually knowing what you're looking for is going to help you be patient and help you say, well, this is not that. So I don't have to take this trade. This is not my model. So I don't have to take this trade, that type of deal. Um, and so, yeah, let's go ahead and dive into it. Um, and this is a process that you know, I personally went through really for, I mean, I'm really still going through just through like the first seven months of this year, like earliest year, I really made it a point. If you guys want to go back and actually listen to that first, um, that first episode that we did of the year where we talked about our goals and, you know, what we were sort of looking forward to. One of the things that I said was I really want to make my trading a little bit more systematic, a little bit more robotic, like a more, um, sort of consistent approach just day in and day out as opposed to not knowing what I'm going to trade when I wake up, that type of thing. Um, if that works for you, then great. It didn't work for me, like towards the end of last year, especially. I just sort of started like losing myself. And so I said, you know, let me take a step back and restart. And really, since I've begun this journey, which I'm still on in terms of building a model and really trying to find something that um, shows up you know, multiple times a week and, and really only taking those trades, um, I've seen sig significantly more success. And so let's go ahead and um, dive into it. So the first thing that I would say when you're looking about, uh, when you're looking to build a model, right, what does the process look like? Step one for me is really documenting what I saw every day, right? And so particularly I'm talking about um, ICT concepts, smart money concepts, whatever you want to call them. Like for me, as I was sort of, I literally had to sort of forget what I knew about trading and start over. I had to throw like 80% of it out and really sort of start from a, from sort of a beginner's mindset again, which I think was absolutely great for me. Um, I was learning a lot, right? I was learning a lot of new um, concepts, a lot of new definitions, a lot of new words, a lot of new um, things to look for in the chart. And so for me, the beginning was literally just documenting every single thing uh, that you see, every breaker, every fair value gap, every order block, if you're trading ICT, if you're not, whatever, every, um, if you're trading chart patterns, every double top, every double bottom, every symmetrical triangle breakout, right? Literally every single time that you see one of those things, mark it down, right? When do they work, right? When does the, the setup play out as it should in a textbook? When does it not work? And, and it, it plays out for a little bit and ultimately reverses and, you know, almost like a fake out sort of fashion. 
um, what time of day did the setup show up? Right? Did the setup show up in the morning? Was this like a, a morning trade and sort of that that um, that first hour of the trading day is the last hour of the trading day sort of thing? Are you looking at lunchtime reversals? Does it happen during lunch? Right? And that, document the time that um, the setup shows up. What day of the week was it? Does this setup happen to show up? Uh, more often than not on Mondays early in the week, or is this something that you tend to see later in the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, right? Um, you also want to look at, you also want to look at particularly, um, if you're trading ICT, um, concepts, where did the setup show up in terms of was it in a premium or a discount of the range that you're trading in? If you're trading from high to low, you just fib that out, find the 50% mark. Was this, um, entry for this trade? In a discount, if you're looking for longs, was the answer to this trade in a premium? If you're looking for shorts, that type of thing, um, do that every single day for the um, for whatever product you're looking to trade, whether that's indices, forex, commodities, whatever it is. Okay, and what you're doing when you do that is you're building a a catalog and save them, right? I actually have a folder on my computer that quite literally has well over 250 just examples, even trades and not trades of just things that I see every single day, mark it up, draw it out, put your little notes in there, you know, here's what happened here, here's what the time of day was, you know, um, and all that stuff and just save that, right? After you do that for a certain amount of time, what's going to happen is you're going to start noticing things that repeat, right? The brain is extremely good at pattern recognition, right? So as humans, that that's a, a biological trait that we have. We're very good at recognizing patterns, recognizing things that repeat more than once, right? And so after you do this for an extended period of time, ultimately, you're going to find something that repeats itself over and over and over again, right? The market is, is a, the market is a funny thing because it, it, it does something different every single day. No market day is like the next day, right? All, all the days are different, but in a sense, they're really not like it. it and, and Alejandro gets exactly what I'm talking about because we've literally been taking the same trade for like two months, like every single day. It's this, it's the exact same thing. And so every day is different and unique, but at the same time, there are things that repeat. And when things repeat in the market, you can capitalize on them, right? So find something that repeats, okay? When you find something that repeats, how often did it repeat? Was this like a was this like an everyday phenomenon? Was it multiple times a day? Does this does this phenomenon repeat twice a day, three times a day, or was it more like, you know, two to three times a week? You know, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, right? You want to find that out so you can know how many times you can expect your model to show up, right? I know that for me, my model shows up more or less once a day, maybe twice if I'm lucky. So I know that I have no business taking three trades in a day. I've literally never seen my model show up three times in one day, not one time. So if I take three trades in a day, I've done something wrong. It's that simple. Like I know that based on historically how many times this setup shows up, the chances of me taking three trades in a day are slim to none. And so if I have, I'm, I'm either not trading my model or that, I mean, or, or it's an anomaly, right? Th those are really the only two options. Um, so again, you want to find exactly how many times this setup is going to show up. How often can you expect to see this, um, this, this model play out, you know, uh, per day, per week, per month, whatever. Um, after you've got that, right? So you've got um, you've you've done all of your all of your um, all of your your note taking, and you've got all your charts. You got all your examples. You found something that repeats. You know, one one to three times a week. I would say is kind of my sweet spot. Find something that repeats one to three times a week, um, and you've gone back and you've documented every single time that you saw it. Um, what you want to do is you want to then back test your strategy, and so back testing is something that. Um, 
I think scares a lot of traders and it's really like, it's really the nitty gritty of trading because it's, it's the least sexy part. The market is closed and you're usually sitting, um, in a dark room by yourself on a Friday night. That's kind of what it looked like for me. And so it was like, it was like, um, it was the least fun part easily of, of trading, but I think it's really probably the most important part. And, the reason is, is that you, the, the confidence that you're going to get to implement this strategy in the, in the live market, risking real funds, that confidence is only going to come from your back testing, from you seeing it happen over and over and over and over again, knowing on a probability basis how many times it should play out, how many times it shouldn't play out. If this setup is going to make me a dollar when I win and a dollar when I lose, but it wins 70% of the time and I've got data backing that up over several years. Give me that probability. Give me that um, that that ratio every single time. I'm taking that trade every single time because I know that over time I may lose today. I could lose tomorrow. I could go on a five trade losing streak, but over time I'm going to win 70% of them, right? And so that's how you need to approach it. And you're not going to get that confidence unless you do put in the work um, to backtest. And so that's why I think backtesting is extremely important for me what that looked like was literally, again, going back, documenting every single time that I saw the setup, make yourself like an Excel spreadsheet. I think this is a, or um, a notion is another great way to do it. Just sort of go back and look, okay, you know, um, put in there, here's what the model was. Um, you know, here's was the entry. Here was the time of day. Here was the day of the week. Um, was it a win or loss? That type of thing. Other stats. What was the risk reward on this trade? Those types of things. So you want to make sure to go in and put those in. And sort of the last step, to um, this process of building a model before you really put real money into it is to forward test it. And so that is to um, trade it on demo, right? Trade it on demo. If you can use trading view, it's free. Um, I think it's free. Yeah. you Use trading view. It's free. Unless I think like for futures, you might have to pay like a little bit of money, but um, forward test it. And the reason that you forward test it is so that you can get yourself into that pattern recognition of seeing it live, right? It's one thing to go back on the chart and say, oh, here is my S&T divergence. And then here I can see that it broke market structure. I would have added this, right? It's very easy to say that when the chart is not moving. To forward test it is to look at the live candles being printed and make that decision in real time. Here's what I would do if this was real money, let me put in some fake money and then ultimately see what happens, right? That type of deal. I think that that's also extremely important because again, it builds that confidence. It, it um, that, that, uh, that muscle memory of sort of just getting in the process of doing it, getting in the process of pressing buy, like I, that can be, that can be traumatizing for a trader. If you're a bit unsuccessful, pressing buy can literally be a traumatizing event for you because you're so used to losing. And so I think that, um, Forward testing, again, for the confidence um, and just for the pattern recognition sake, I think is, is extremely important. And so for me, that's how I went about the process of building my own model. I've got like two of them and they're really the only things that I trade. If I had to make another model, um, I would follow these exact steps. And um, again, I think that that's really the approach that you want to take if you want to have more of a, a systematic approach um, to trading as opposed to just being really discretionary, trading on your emotions, trading on a whim. Um, I think that if you're not, if you, if you've done that and it hasn't been successful, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you look into this, you know, this sort of style. 
This episode is brought to you by Elite Trader Funding. ETF is a prop trading firm. For those of you who are unaware of what a prop trading firm is, they basically provide you with capital to trade with, and your only risk is the monthly subscription fee. How it works is once you pass an evaluation account, you then become eligible for real money payouts. Now, there are a lot of prop firms out there, but ETF's customer support, the products, and the styles of evaluations they offer are unmatched. I traded and passed a 150K evaluation account, and they were always willing to answer any questions I had along the way. I wish that I had been introduced to them when I first started trading. Thinking back to all the money I lost when I was new to the game, getting the chance to trade a large account while only risking a monthly subscription fee makes too much sense. Not to mention, if you're trying to trade a small-sized account, you can develop some pretty bad habits. Trading a funded account lets you really put your skills to the test by trading more realistic size. Head to the link in the show notes to start your journey as a funded trader today. I love it. I want everybody to obviously play that back when they get a chance to go back through those steps. But what's most important to take from all of that is... This is, there's so much that goes into trading and about 10% of it is actually trading, is actually sitting there and entering and exiting trades. What the average retail unsuccessful trader does, and this is 95% of people, is they roll out of bed with no plan. They have eight charts in front of them. They go to their their uh, dashboard, they're ready to trade, and oh, Meta looks like it's gonna go up, I'm buying calls, and the S&P looks like it's gonna go down, I'm buying puts, and this, that, and and no system of when to take profits, no system when to enter, no, it's just all, as you said, emotional trading based on what they're feeling in that moment. Maybe the, you know it's patterns that they've started to recognize, but they're not so confident in it working, so one trade they size, like half size and then the other one is like full size and there's just no rhyme or reason for anything that's going on and that could work for you know short periods of time but we always talk about this on the podcast the goal is not to win one trade it's not to win 10 trades it's to be successful over the course of thousands of trades it's to develop something that is repeatable that just removes your emotions from everything and that's exactly what you just described when developing a model and my favorite part of what you mentioned is I'm looking for max one to two trades a day. And that's because you understand that your setup can only present itself one to two times a day. If you're a trader that comes in and one day you have three trades, the next day you have nine trades, the next day you have five trades, you got to figure out if that's part of your system or if you just have no idea what's going on. And some days you feel like trading more, some days you feel like trading less. Like I said, the actual trading is 10% of what we're doing here, if that, right? Like probably less, like maybe like 1%. For me, it's the night before or after the close. It's going through, identifying the setups that I'm looking to play the next day. I wake up in the morning. I wake up early. I look at the chart. If the chart is setting up with something that I planned from the night before, I'm entering the trade. We talked about it this morning. Last night, coming into today, I was looking for uh, ES to bull flag around where it closed yesterday around 44.86. Now, the market has traded higher like seven days in a row. As a trader, is it my job to follow my plan or is it my job to wake up and try to be like some like fancy wizard who is going to decide whether or not he's going to take the trade and like whether like 
No, cut that shit out. I plan the setup. I come in. I take the trade. The market goes up for the eighth day in a row. Awesome. Why did that work? Because I planned for it. If it didn't work, that's fine. That's part of the trading. And that's exactly what it is. We're trying to put the probabilities in our favor, but we're doing the work the night before. We're not doing the work when we wake up and when the market opens and, you know, doing all this fancy shit, like trying to, you know, I I don't know, like Paul Tudor Jones. Like, I'm just talking from experience, guys. I'm talking about how I used to trade. And I'm telling you, it can work for a little bit, but over the long run, and this is most important, when you start going through drawdowns is when you really fuck yourself up. Because if you don't have a a serious system in place, uh, a profit-taking strategy, an entry strategy, uh, a strategy for where to put your stops, a sizing strategy... If you don't have that figured out before the market opens, and if you're not doing the same thing every single day, you are going to lose your mind when you start going through a drawdown. If I lose 10 trades in a row, I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to give a shit because obviously that's going to suck. I'm going to be losing money, but I know that if I continue to do what I'm doing, I'm going to be successful in the long run. But if you don't have that confidence, it's probably because you haven't developed the model. It's either you haven't developed an entry model, you haven't developed a system uh, to manage your trades, and honestly, guys, it could just be the case of trying to do too much, just trying to do too much. Again, I said it, my favorite part of what you mentioned, one to two trades a day. I have been taking one trade a day for like the past two months. I wake up, I take the trade. If it's a winner, I'm done. That's it. You can ask anybody in the Discord. By like 10.30 in the morning, I'm like, all right, guys, I'm done. Like, that's it. And Thinking about how I used to trade, I would think about, okay, I'm up, all right? I'm up money in the morning. This opens the gate to new trades. No, 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 no. Because that single day gain may not be anything amazing, but now I look back at the past month and I'm like, damn, like I was able to make that money just by taking one trade a day and not just any one trade, not just any random trade, but a trade that I had planned for, something that was along the lines of my model. And that is extremely rewarding, right? I don't have to question why things are working. I don't have to doubt my my capabilities. I don't have to say, oh, am I am I getting lucky, right? No, because I'm I'm planning everything. And I know that if I continue to do that, I'm going to be successful. So if you have a crazy stretch, I remember the other day I saw somebody who said, I just made like, I don't know, like it was something crazy, like 20,000, some five figure uh, number. I don't remember. And their immediate question, and I'm glad they asked was, what do I do with this money? Like I just made a shit ton of money. That's somebody recognizing that I made this money, not because of my system, not because of my abilities as a trader, but because I got lucky. And that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not real trading, right? And we're trying to avoid that feeling. We're trying to, you know, be confident in our trades, why we're taking them, right? And why we're exiting them. And that comes through a model. We don't want to feel like we're getting lucky. We don't want to feel like, oh shit, you know, I just made $10,000 this week, but if I, if, if shit starts to go south, you know, I'm going to lose it all next week, right? That's how 95% of traders feel because they can't pinpoint what exactly it is they're doing and they're flip-flopping back and forth, long, short, you know, trying to do too much, you know, trading, trading options, trading futures, uh, you know, 
fucking trading, I don't know, crypto, uh, Bing X, like NFTs, NFTs. There are people that have success doing that, but 1% of them, if that literally. So yeah, the last thing I'll say on this topic is the, you, you hit it with, um, you hit it with the, the drawdown part. I think that it's not necessarily a difference in, um, in making money. I think that if you're, there's a bunch of people who are going to be like pretty good at trading and kind of like kind of know what they're doing and won't have a problem making money. The problem is keeping it like when, when you inevitably lose, cause we all lose. And I think that having a system, having a model that's repeatable just keeps the bleeding to a minimum when that inevitable loss does come. I think that it just, it, it makes things super black and white for you where it's like, if I'm in a drawdown, this is part of the plan. Yeah, I, I, I've been in so many drawdowns, not so many, but I've been in several drawdowns this year. And since, since really like starting to hone in on only using like a trading model and like, it, it's just a different feeling. Like it's a different feeling of confidence of like, okay, like I lost some money and like, I'm going to get it back. <laughs> like I, it, it's, it's weird. Whereas like where I used to be in drawdown, it was like, what do I do? Should I change things? Like, you're like, if the market is changing, I'm fucked. That's what it feels like. Right. Like, yeah. Oh shit. Like, here we go. Right. Right. Exactly. Like you, you feel it. Like you, you, you physically feel it. Like, and, and I think that that's really important because at, after you take those two losses, you have to have the confidence to press the button the third time. And I think that that's where a model comes in, right? It's having the confidence to say, look, I got burned this a couple of times, but I've got 600 examples in my folder of how this trade works. Like I know that next time I press the button, probabilities are in my favor, right? Whereas if you don't go through that work after those two losses, it can be like, it can be a little dicey and you can get a little bit anxious and maybe that's the trade that you missed. I would have taken you out of drawdown, right? And so I think that that's super important for sure. Absolutely. And the last thing on this topic before we move on is that your model is all over your Twitter. So for anybody who wants to see exactly what it is that you're doing, all they have to do is scroll through your feed. Uh, same thing with me. I, you know, do EDU, reasons why I'm entering trades, exiting trades, all on my feed. So it's not like we're gatekeeping anything. Like this is all, you know, free. You guys can check out exactly what it is that we do. The last thing that I want to talk about now is risk versus reward in trading and something that has really helped me, especially over the past couple months. And it's the simple concept of leaving runners. And so for me, how I like to think about it is when we look at July, okay, we got a, a major breakout over the July highs. We've seen a ton of trends and holding on to runners has paid a shit ton. So when I when I look to enter a trade, I'm normally shooting for like one-to-one -one risk versus reward. And so you know, if you look at that one-to-one -one risk versus reward, you're going to be like, oh, shit, I got to win like 90% of my trades to be successful. Not if leaving runners. And this is really where I can find my edge because on these giant trend moves, last week, um, which was, what was the, what was last Friday? Give me a second for anybody that wants to go back and look at the chart. So last Friday was July 14th. So the week of the 10th through the 14th, I was in my longest duration trade of the year. Uh, I got long at 44.25 and rode it all the way to 45.37. That's 112 points in the S&P futures. Now, that of course was not full sized, 
But what that does, what leaving runners does and doing it um, based off of structure, which is something I'll talk about in a second, what leaving runners does is it greatly, greatly tilts risk versus reward in my favor. So if I'm shooting for one for one to one uh, risk versus reward, but I leave runners and those runners go 20, 30, 40, 100 points in the case of that trade, that is going to make up and cover four or five losing trades. And so if you aren't leaving runners in your trades, I think it's super important to do so. It also helps to eliminate that FOMO. You're not coming in every day and saying, oh, you know, I got to add long again or I'm scared to add long again here. If I get my entry and I'm just able to hold runners and I'm going to let the market do whatever it wants to do, if those runners pay, that's amazing. And that's why I've had so much success in this trending market. Um, And this is really where I try to pad my profits because we are going to go through a phase of consolidation. Maybe it comes in August. You know, August is seasonally a little bit weaker than July. Maybe things get a little bit trickier and it's super choppy. And, you know, this uh, face ripper of a market that we're getting right now is going to take a step back for a little bit. My hit rate is likely to go down in a choppy market. This is just this is just what happens. My hit rate is likely to go down. Um, I'm likely uh, not to get as much uh, out of my winning trades because, you know, trades are going to hit maybe one level of resistance and pull back or if I'm lucky too. like that, that's what a choppy market looks like. So I use this trend to pad my profit. So then when the chop comes, I'm not feeling the pressure. Okay. That's, that's really what I'm trying to do here. And I said I would come back to it. Structure. So trailing the stops based on what I see on the chart. A mistake that a lot of people make is they're going to say, okay, I'm going to use a 10-point trailing stop or I'm going to use a 15-point trailing stop. When I think about my trailing stop, I'm looking at the most obvious recent low on the chart, okay, the most obvious recent swing low, um, typically on the 15-minute chart. And so if I just trail below that, I know that I'm going to remain in the trade as long as that uptrend stays intact. And I'm not worried about the profits. I'm not worried about catching the top. All I'm worried about is staying in the trade as long as the trend remains intact. So I could get stopped out 20, 30 points off of the highs. I'm perfectly okay with that because I know that using this strategy, I'm going to be able to stay in for those 100-point moves versus trying to consistently call the top and say, I'm going to exit at this level of resistance because I know I'm not going to be able to do that consistently. It's impossible. But using a trailing stop system allows me, again, to stay in those trend moves and really increase my risk versus rewards. So highly recommend for anybody that isn't doing that. That's that's a quick way to boost your risk versus reward. Without a doubt. Um, a couple of things there. One, the trailing stop versus using your stop under you know, the recent low based off of structure. I think that the reason that people jam their stops up too tight is because they're in too much size. And so like he talked about, you know, if I've if I only took off half of my position at plus 10 points and now um, plus 30 points. Right. If I took off half at plus 10 and now I'm plus 30, I just made a double of what I initially made by selling that first 10. So I've got double the profits now on the table. And so for me, I want to make sure I protect that. It's a lot of money. It's twice as much as I just made. So I want to try and protect those uh, those gains that I just made. So I'm going to choke my stop up real tight, even though it may not make sense to do so. Right. Like I'm going to put it at an arbitrary level or like you said, 10 point trailing stop, whatever it is, and sort of just trade it like that because I don't want to lose. I'm afraid that it's going to come down and knock me out and I'll lose. Right. 
And so I think that's number one, is that if you are going to play that game of um, leaving runners, make sure that it actually is just a fraction of your position. Bank the bulk of it, you know, at whatever um, support, if you're uh, short, resistance, if you're long, whatever, and then leave just a, a small fraction enough where you're not going to be stressing out about it, you know, if you have to hold it overnight. Because really, that's like Alejandro said last week, that's where some of the best games will come from. Like, you, you don't want to be freaking out about the, the amount of the position that you left on. So I would say that that's number one. The second thing I wanted to say about that is that um, it's important. It's important to remember that your job as a trader is to be profitable over the long term. And I think that a lot of traders have this misconception that successful trading is coming into the market every single day, making exactly a thousand dollars every single day, and you know, closing the laptop by ten o'clock and being done with it. You know, regardless of what the market does, regardless of market conditions, regardless of what's going on, I'm gonna come in, make a thousand dollars by ten o'clock and be done. That's the that's the dream. I'm gonna go sit on a beach and drink pina coladas for the rest of the day. Like that is so non existent. Like the the market changes all the time. And so you're it's impossible for you forever to just do um to just kind of have like that 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 same sort of mindset. And like you said Right now, the way that you're trading, you recognize that it's beneficial to your system. And so you leave runners and, you know, we're in a trending market and that carries you to extra profits that are ultimately going to pad your P&L for the times when the market gets choppy. The market could be choppy for two months, three months, four months, right? Like there could be tough trading conditions ahead and you have no clue, right? And in those environments, if you're trying to do the same thing, if you're trying to make that same $1,000 a day by 10 o'clock and shut off the laptop, you're probably going to get skinned alive because the market is going to be very different. It's not going to be having any follow through, right? It's not going to, it's going to, it's going to be a different environment. And so I just think, um, I think that what the, the point that I was trying to get at there is that you want to make sure that you're not, no system is going to work in every single market environment. And so, as long as your system, like Alejandro said, is is more or less like break even during the times where your system is not um, in favor, and then during the times when your system is favor, you're getting those nice reward multiples. Here's here's what I remember what Derek was going to say. Derek was saying that ultimately, for a lot of traders, what trading looks like is more or less break even, break even, break even, and then a few times a month you have one of those days that's a two multiple, three multiple, four multiple of your average loser. And that is what sets you apart. And that's where you grow, right? It's not necessarily seeking out those days. They're going to happen. But ultimately, it's, okay, Monday, I made 100. Tuesday, I lost 100. Wednesday, I made 100. Thursday, I lost 100. Friday, I made 300. I'm up 300 on the week, right? Like, that's how you, that's the path of getting to 300 a week. It's not make 100, make 100, make 50, make 50. Make fifty, make fifty, right? It's 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 really more of a of a um, of a jagged line, and then you're going to have those outsized returns. Where um, depending, obviously, on your system, it may be different. You know, there's a lot of people where they lose seventy percent of the time. It's loss, you know, baby loss, baby loss, baby loss, massive gain that car- that takes all of that out plus threefold. Again, baby loss, baby loss, baby right, like. They'll lose 80% of the time, but that 20% of the time that they do win, it's it's more than enough to, co- to cover the losses. Unless you're trading a style like that, which is completely fine. If you're not trading a style like that, which I don't think, I think most people are a bit more um, like looking for like that higher win rate, maybe not quite as great risk to reward in their trades. Um, 
if you're in that camp, then you got to recognize that there's going to be times where, you know, you're going to be hitting those, you know, two, three R multiple trades really often and then times where you're not. And that's completely fine, right? You, you just, you got to remember that when the, when the market is not necessarily conducive to your strategy, don't freak out. Don't try and change things. You may be flat for a month, two months, three months. You may be red for a month, right? Like it's going to be fine. Eventually the market will change and that's where you get um, the outsized returns like Alejandro's talking about. Eventually the market will begin to trend if that's your system or the, there's people who would rather a consolidating market so they could sell options on both sides of the market and just pin that volatility down, right? Like if you're somebody who's trying to do that, these last three months have probably been hell for you, right? But at the same time, you're going to have some wind sprinkled there and some losses. You're probably a little bit break even, maybe even a little bit red, but the market will change. And ultimately when it does, those people are going to take over and they're going to strike. And so I think, you know, it, it's just really important to understand that you're, you're not always going to be, you know, thousand dollars a day, thousand dollars a day, really at that level of like, um, almost like fake consistency. Like that's not what consistency consistency is. It's really more so this year, here's how I performed this year. Here's how I performed over longer, um, durations. Right. So don't look at it in such a micro, uh, through such like a, a, a microscope, I would say, take more of a thousand thousand foot view. And it, that sounds like kind of what you were getting at there, which I completely agree with. Definitely. And, um, as far as, taking profits and leaving runners. The last thing that I want to say is if you have this understanding that, okay, this month the market is trending and we're having this conversation or you're listening to this podcast and we're saying this obviously isn't sustainable. There's going to come a time of consolidation or maybe pullback or whatever. And there's going to be choppier days in the market. You can design your trading system to take advantage of both. Like you don't have to come into the market every day and guess are we going to trend 50 points today or are we going to chop in a 10 point range? Which is why for me, when I enter a trade, I take the majority of my profits, at least 70 to 80% of my profits at that first level of either resistance or support, no matter what. And then I'm leaving runners because I have no idea. When we come into uh, yesterday, right? I, I take my trade and I took the majority of my profits like eight points above where I entered. And then the market ripped another like 40 points. I left runners, which was able to let me take advantage of that. But if I start playing this game of is today going to be a trend day? Is today going to be a chop day? I'm ne- you know, it's, it's too difficult. It makes my life too complicated. And I see traders doing this all the time. They'll take like a fifth of their position at like uh, first position at first resistance one day. And then the next day they'll take like half and, and then like maybe one day they take like all of it. No, just be consistent. Just be consistent every single time and leave it up to the market. If the market wants to give you a 50 point trend, awesome. You take your 80% at first resistance and you leave runners and you get you get paid and you don't have to fight the FOMO. Or if the market decides to chop and all you got was to that resistance and it comes right back down and you stop at break even on the runners or below, uh, maybe even a little bit below your entry, you still made money, right? And so that's something that you can replicate regardless of market conditions it's when you start trying to guess what is the market going to do that you get in trouble and you really lose that consistency and maybe your PL curve isn't as smooth maybe you know when the market is trending you're knocking it out of the park and as you mentioned this that might work for some people right in a in a trending market where they just have like a massive month like massive 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 i rather have you know a, a really good month when the market is trending 
but still a good month when things are choppy. Just because as a day trader, the goal is I'm still just trying to make money every single day. Although that's not necessarily realistic because, you know, I'm going to have red days. But that's the goal, we'll say, is to come in every day, take a piece of the market and make some money. Right. I, I honestly think that um, it's funny you said consistency so many times in that in that last. Um, did I say it a lot? You did. But it, it's good, though, because I think I think that consistency is the theme that sort of ties everything that we were talking about together. Right. Whether it's consistently trading a model every day, whether it's um, like you said, consistently taking profits, like whatever that looks like for you, whether it is a fifth, whether it's a half or 70 percent, whatever it is, just do it consistently. Right. Whether that's. um consistently playing your own game, right? We, it's very, very hard to find consistency when you're borrowing somebody else's conviction. Like what the common theme ultimately through what we're talking about is, is how to ultimately become consistent. Because I think that that is the precursor to profitability in the market is consistency. If you can't be consistent, um, like we talk, like I talked about before, a making money is anybody can make money. Anybody can blindly wake up and buy calls and the market goes up or blindly wake up and gamble on earnings and, you know, you're going to get it right sometimes. You're going to be wrong other times. The The hard part is keeping it. And I think that that's where the consistency comes in. And, um, yeah, you, you're, you're not going to make it far in this game without it. So I, I think that that's really the common thread through through all of the topics that we touched on today. 100% agreed, man. Guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Really enjoyed this. Maybe we'll start doing these a little bit more often. You guys let us know what you thought. But Noah, appreciate you as always. Solid conversation. And I'll see you on the next episode, episode 83. Yep. Take care. See you guys next week. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.